Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. O oh God, you have caused this holy night to shine with the brightness of the true light. Grant that we who have known the mystery of that light on earth may also enjoy him perfectly in heaven, where with you and the Holy Spirit he lives and reigns one God in glory everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. This is a glorious night. Every year it is. And uh, uh, it's so fun. The two services are so different. We had 200 uh, banshees uh, at the last service. And, uh, and the, uh, everybody was in a costume. We had lambs, really a lot of stray sheep actually wandering around. And also, uh, poor Joe and I, we were over here on the side and, uh, where the angels were. And there were so many angels that their fluttering wings were causing wind chill. And uh, we, we had to go by a heater when we got through. Uh, it was really wonderful. And I've got to thank the incredible work of this team who... Last Sunday, we're notified that Debbie was in the hospital and wouldn't be here. And thank God, Ethan stepped up to the plate and uh, said, we'll do it. And he's done it beautifully at last service, and I know this service will be just as glorious. So thank you so much. Oh, Christmas is a glorious time, glorious music. We dress up. The church, especially for this day, the only other day that gets more attention is Easter. We do all this decorating and celebrating. Why? For a baby. But not just any baby. This baby is God in the flesh, the creator of the universe, who has entered his own creation. And why did he come? Well, that's where the story gets personal. For this baby tells us something important about God. And something important about ourselves. If you want to know the truth, Christmas is about the equivalent of the invasion of Normandy. Jesus re-entering his world to re-establish his kingdom was a military operation. And he did it because he loved us. And that's what this baby tells us. God loves you. Not God loves you if, just God loves you. But many of us take this simple fact and we turn it on its head. We have a hard time believing God's love could be that simply offered and received. I'd say most of us at one time or another. God's love is freely given, but some of us try to make it something we have to work for. Even something that is pure drudgery. So that we feel we have earned his love. This is why there are so many people who are unhappy Christians. That's why they don't look forward to going to church or reading their Bibles or saying their prayers or just spending time with God. They take a gift from God and they turn it into a high interest loan that they'll never be able to pay off. These are the people about whom my favorite saint, St. Teresa of Avila, prayed, Lord, deliver us from sour-faced saints. 
Now, if you're one of those people who feel you have to deserve God's love, you have to prove something, would you do us all a favor and just cut it out? Okay. You're not helping yourself and you're not helping us. Okay. You're not doing yourself any good. And you're being a bad witness to God, to the grace and mercy of God. An unbeliever looks at your self-imposed suffering that you think is a glorious thing, earning you the right to be loved by God. An unbeliever looks at that and says, well, if that's the Christian faith, I think I'll pass. Following Christ ought to be something we look forward to every morning when we wake up. But some of us turn it into work, so in our minds we can justify the idea we're worthy. And rather than giving us energy, it just drains us. Because we're never going to succeed at being worthy of God's love. If you think that, please just quit, okay? Just stop trying. Because the fact is, is that in the Christian faith, it's been done for you. Most religions say, do this, and you will receive this. But we say, it's been done. Receive it. We don't have to earn God's love. As a matter of fact, we can't earn it. There is simply no way you or I can make God love us. As a matter of fact, we have nothing to do with God's love. So don't sit around going, boy, I'm special, unlike those other people. Because God loves us all. You realize that you can do nothing, nothing in, this, in your life to make God love you any more or any less than he does right now? Because it's not about you. We all think it's about performance and perfection, but it's not. I was, it's not performance or perfection. It's God's affection that makes the difference. I was blessed when I was a young adult to have a friendship with Ted McRae, who was a suffragan bishop of Dallas. And uh, he actually confirmed me when I was eight, and I still have the little white prayer book, you know, I got on that day, and he has his signature in it and all that. Uh, and later in life, lo and behold, we became friends. And just before I left for seminary, he was taken to the hospital with a ter what turned out to be a terminal disease. As a matter of fact, he, we didn't know it at the time, but he never left the hospital. And uh, we were talking. It was the day before I left for seminary. I thought, well, I got to go see Ted. And uh, so, you know, everybody wanted to hear about my problems and especially a man dying in the hospital. So here I was just jawing on about all my problems and yammer, 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 yammer. And uh, here's a man trying to breathe. <laughs> and, you know, here I am being totally indifferent to the condition he's in. And all of a sudden he stops me because he loves me. And he said, Henry, I was 50 years old before I learned that God loves me because he made me. It has nothing to do with what I do. Then he said to me, don't wait till you're 50 to find that out for yourself. That was his dying gift to me. And it was priceless. God loves me because he made me. God loves you because he made you. Receive that. God loves you because he made you. What did you have to do with that? Absolutely nothing. This all happened while you were still in the womb. 
at the most vulnerable moment in your life, God loved you. And that hasn't changed one bit since then. God's love is not some fragile emotion that falls apart the first time something goes wrong. It is a hearty, I would even say earthquake-proof love that will stand up against any storm. I used to say hurricane-proof, but with our recent earthquake, I thought, actually, I was sitting in the basement of Clay Desta when that happened, thinking, I'll never get out of here. <laughs> God's love is so strong and unchangeable that Paul tells us in Romans 5, 8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. You hadn't done anything to impress him. I hadn't done anything to impress him. We were sinners. And he looked at us and said, by golly, those people need my help. Okay? That's why Jesus came. Jesus is the son of God who signed up to perform a rescue operation. He came to rescue us because we were in a world of trouble. And without him, we still are. Without Jesus, we're in a mess. I could spend a lot of time describing it to you, but many of you still have baking to do and gifts to wrap, and you're wondering how long this sermon's going to go on. So I'm going to sum it up with this analogy. Without Jesus, we are out of gas on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. And we are trying to siphon gas from our empty tank to fill it. Think about the madness of trying to do that. And too many of us live our lives that way. Everything we need, God has, but we try to find it in ourselves or in others or in our culture. And brothers and sisters, it ain't there. We are spiritually undernourished, and yet we keep eating junk food. This madness leads us to abuse ourselves and misuse others. And living this way is building our lives on an eternal lie rather than on eternal life. And God loves us too much to leave us trapped in a lie that leads to our spiritual and eternal death. That's why Jesus came. Listen to what he tells us in John 10. The thief, referring to the world, the flesh, and the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let me paraphrase that a little. The world, the flesh, and the devil may look appealing, but they will suck the life right out of you. And they'll leave you empty and hopeless. I came to fill you up to the brim with life that never ends. And to whom is this life offered? Well, listen to the one who gives it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Left on our own, we are broken people living and dying in a broken world. And God would not stand for that condition to be left unchallenged. That's the enemy work. He had taken over the planet that God had given to man and had enslaved man. And God would not allow that to stand. So the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit together mounted a 
rescue operation that began when a faithful peasant girl said yes to God. And Jesus entered our world to become the one and only agent for man's salvation. Salvation from work to grace. Salvation from death into life. Salvation from this broken world into the glorious kingdom of heaven. All of this good news is embodied in that little baby sleeping in the manger. And so come, let us adore him. And when we leave this place, let us follow the shepherds and tell the world what God has done for us and for them as well. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.